What's up, dancers and dance lovers? This is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. I'm Taylor Bradley. And I'm Alex Yankovich. We host an open conversation about the dance entertainment industry, striving to educate and inspire. Brought to you by Inside Dance Magazine. Find us on social media at Inside Dance Podcast. Or write to us at InsideDancePodcast at gmail.com. Let's Let's take take it from from the the top. top. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Alex is coming in. Alex needs to be Alex needs to be sponsored by like AutoZone today because Alex, tell our <laughs> listeners where you're where you're joining us in from. I am parked safely in my car. <laughs> um, I have a our uh, lunch break because I'm in between my last day of intensive. But this is the second time I have podcasted from the car parked. Everybody parked. Well, yes. <laughs> whilst not driving, she is committed. Everyone, she yes. That is what we need more of in the world. Is uh, no matter, ain't no valley high, ain't no what is it? Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no location that I can't podcast from a car. True. Um, well, yay! Speaking of commitment, later our special guest this week is a super awesome, committed human to everything that he does. And when I say everything, I mean like he does everything. So uh, we are joined by a good friend, Jared Khalifa, who is currently performing as the Redbird here in Cirque du Soleil's Mystere in Las Vegas, but has done a little bit of everything. His roots are in gymnastics. He talks about his career in acting, musical theater, singing, um, and how he's had such a successful. Uh, career on film and television, both in Canada, where he's from, as well as here in the States internationally. So stick around for that. Commit to it. You'll want to hear it. I didn't want to get off the phone with him. I was like ready to talk to him all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Commitment USA. Well, no, Mr. Commitment Canada, because he's Canadian, but yeah, <laughs> um, that's fine. But um, Alex, wait, so Phyllis and you're like, well, first of all, I never congratulated you. Congrats on the opera and an amazing run. Um, Thank you. I know that was like such a full out like technique on your body, all the things and you made it through it. I'm so happy. And I know that you had, you guys ran into um, a lot of like replacements and reblocks and rehearsals and things like that. So um, way to stay committed. That's the theme of the episode. Yeah. It was so much fun. And like, I now have to, cause I was doing ballet bar every day. So now like I, my body misses it, even just being off of it for like a week, even though I have not stopped dancing. I've literally danced. I have not had a breather since we closed, but um, I'm going to find a way to incorporate ballet in my everyday life. Cause yeah, like, man, it's, it's, it's necessary. Yeah. So good. I love it so much. And like, it, it doesn't matter. Like if you just give yourself a plie and a tondu, like before, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that like trumps any sort of like down dog runner's lunge. Like if you do like a dancer's warm up, you're just like prepared for life. I think so I need true. to do it every morning. Um, how are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, yeah, nothing really new and exciting to report from here. The show's going well. My foot is great. Um, yes. in regards to my foot injury. Um, and if you're listening and you're like, should I go break my foot today? I don't recommend it. Um, but, um, luckily, <laughs> luckily, but I, I don't know. Luckily, and you and I are going to see each other. Oh my God. And we end, see each other, which is so exciting. Like not in, in a parked car. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's so going to be really Yeah. Shout out to, um, our good friends, Hannah and Annie, who are going to be getting married this weekend uh, in Colorado, just outside of Denver. And Alex and I will be there tearing up the dance floor, probably making fools of ourselves. So for sure, we look forward to that. But yeah, um, let's let's dive into our little intro segment. I want to talk about something that I've re- I hate. I hate it. I hate it. I loathe it. I never want to do it. In fact, if I have to do it, I typically am like, don't submit me for this gig. <laughs> I am a bad example to any young dancer out there. But that is self-tapes I hate self-tapes more than anything in this world Alex I I kind of do too but is there anyone that loves them like I don't know if anyone's like oh yes a self-tape I don't think so and you know I was having this conversation with one of my friends I honestly think a good idea is um a lot of times self-tapes are like just show us your dance moves your best dance moves we don't care what song and I was having a conversation about maybe booking space for like an hour or two and like 
taping three different styles Genius. of something and you could just use that just bank them i think yeah bank them i think you can use the aspects of like a big smile and showing your personality and maybe doing you know some musical theater choreo some jazz choreo and some hip-hop choreo and like calling it a day a lot of times people want specifics and like they'll be like i want you to lip sync while you do it so then that's you know oh gosh yeah the time but yeah, they're not fun. Like, I feel like I get really in my head about it. And I want every moment to be perfect because in my head, I'm like, they're going to watch this and be like, they had time to make this perfect. So it's <laughs> not perfect. I'm like, God dang it. Let's so backtrack because I feel like those kind of self-tapes, I wouldn't mind. Like, I think about, okay, if I were in casting or uh, a producer, I wouldn't hold an audition to have someone be like, freestyle, like you're getting ready and jamming in the shower, you know, because that would be like a waste so of time for them. So that's when a self-tape would make sense. I guess I'm still caught in the era of PTSD that is like quarantine auditions where they're like, learn these 19 eight counts and do them. Like it was in place right. of an actual dance call. And those are things that I'm just like, oh, I hate learning from video. I hate, you know, having that for me, it's like, I don't know when, when you're doing choreography, like you said, there's always time, like you watch it back and you're like, I could have been better. I could have done this. Whereas like in a live audition, I'm like, well, that was it. You know, that was it. Looking exactly. Back. It's so, freeing. but, but um, yeah, I think that and lighting, I don't know. You're so good being in Southern California where I feel like you have so much like, like online, things like I don't own a ring light I don't know I'm like the worst like <laughs> ring lights are great I freaking love yeah love my ring light it's super super helpful but so. I just look terrible in bad lighting though like that's really the issue it's I mean like, isn't that the term the bad lighting <laughs> yeah like the shadows I feel like on some people make them look like more snatched for me like with this round big cheek face like it's not it's not good i will say though i booked i booked the opera job off of a self-tape really was it like technical like across the floor okay see you're just amazing and then we did we had to learn something but it was supposed to be a live audition and then it got switched they like narrowed down the cast list and then and then how to submit a self-tape but that i think they that's different it's not like a commercial audition where they're looking at how like you act like that was like we need to make sure like you know how to like, yeah pull up and don't and do yourself. yeah it's so different have you ever heard of like a zoom audition is that a thing yes and i have done one i've done a zoom callback recently and it was so fun honestly it saved <laughs> it saved so much time and like i this, this is the thing too. Callbacks are always so different. I'm like, should I wear the same thing that I wore to the audition or different? But I think the, the they're like, does she have laundry, a, a, a washing machine? No. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I did a zoom callback recently and it was super fun. And, um, I'm kind of a, I won't do those at home. I know. That sounds, oh. uh, like if I, if I have to talk in it and I'm just like sort of doing actions totally but like this one I had to dance and I'm like not gonna I'm not gonna do it at home and like try to be like the most out and like crawl over your coffee table yeah yeah so like in that regard like to me it was like worth it to um rent the space but that's up to everybody but yeah I mean zoom auditions are fun they're quick and and if you're internet connection it's it's good but honestly watch that's what will happen for me is it's like hey we it it can be stressful for sure but you i've definitely seen like on this particular one like i saw one other person who was also there oh stressful who were there so i saw well we were in like the waiting room before we went oh my gosh dramatic so i saw like what some people are outdoors behind their apartment buildings like everyone's just being as creative as possible and rightfully so no one should have to pay to audition it just depends like i think they should just leave that up to whatever you know the person's individual choices wow you've like suddenly like changed my entire outlook on self tips here i am being like i hate them and you're like they level the playing field equal opportunity and <laughs> just have good lighting taylor no you bring up a lot of good points and honestly i just i guess for me too when i see a self-tape the other thing that like discourages me is i don't know how many submissions they're gonna get like you know when you go to an audition you're like oh cool there's 80 guys or there's like 400 girls or there's uh, i don't know a million children uh like you get an idea of scope but like yeah. on a self like i don't know and because i feel like you get so many of those like commercial castings or whatever like different like random oh like even extras casting sometimes will send you things be like do a little self-tape i'm like oh there's gonna be like a million of these and what are the odds but like i think um shout out to our friend um carrie channing Harry. who just recently 
booked this amazing, well, I actually don't know how recent it was, but she was just recently posting about this commercial that she booked um, for like this flavored water bottle, but it's like so funny. And I, she was reading or she was writing in her caption, like who would have thought that this little silly, like random self tape would turn into like a national commercial. And I look at things like that and I'm like, you go Carrie. I need to be more like Carrie. I need to just do it and submit. (laughs) I do it and submit. I think no attachment is the best way possible. And it's hard though. It's like no attachment, but like do feel like you gave it your all, not necessarily your best, but like you were funny, you were yourself. And then I think it really works out for people. I think when you're yourself in those situations, they can take it or leave it. And yeah. then it's, it is what it is. But I think having like a fun approach, I think I did, I did a submission. They wanted us to do like ballet work, but it's for commercials. So you never really know. Yeah. So yeah. Like, we want ballet dancers, but like models really doing ballet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like deep breath, but I, um, they wanted partner work. And so I asked Matt to do it with me and I didn't do like a ballet number. I did it to like Prince, but we did ballet work. Great. But we like did it to a different song and like didn't book it, but like it was still like <laughs> an enjoyable experience. And now I use all that stuff in my partner reel because it was like still smart. Yeah. So I think, yeah, as long as you have like a non-attachment feeling to it, it always works out. I think where it gets tough is when you're like, you get called back and you're like on the avail. <laughs> you get yeah. released at that last minute. That's when like the attachment <laughs> obviously is like you're like wait, you're like clearing your schedule for it, and then they're like, never mind. Oh, <laughs> gosh. That's when I think it's rough. Yeah, sure. I feel that. Well, but yeah. Shout out to Carrie. Shout out to Carrie. Yeah, we love Carrie. Carrie Channing. Um, cool. Well, there's self tapes. I feel yeah. like we did that. I feel like we 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 booked the self tape audition conversation. So. Love it. Um, we should just pot a shimmy, axle leap over to our interview with Mr. Jared Khalifa. Stick around. You guys, I am so, so excited to be joined by, I say this every week, a dear friend, which sounds like my Aunt Greta. She's always <laughs> like, a dear friend. Um, first of all, this friend is not 65. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a really great friend. Sorry, my dog squeaking toys in the background. Um, he is currently performing here in Las Vegas as the Redbird in Cirque du Soleil's Mystere. He has an amazing background and resume. Um, experience competing internationally um, and winning um, for uh, the Canadian gymnastics team, which is not correct. I'm going to let him correct me on what the (laughs) official title is in a minute. Uh, He's been in just uh, a handful of different film and television um, series most recently. And I'm a huge fangirl of musical theater. Uh, Schmigadoon on Netflix. So, so wonderful. I'm going to stop butchering his intro and let him tell us a little bit more about him. But please welcome my good friend, not my dear friend, Jared Khalifa. Hi, Jared. Hi. Oh, wow. Voice crack, right? <laughs> I know. We're, <laughs> we're doing so good. This is the vibe today, everyone. That is who it we really are. Is. <laughs> like it's 2 p.m. and clearly the vocal cords haven't warmed up yet. So, hi. Thanks that. for having me on the podcast. Thank yeah. You for being sorry here for with butchering us. your intro, but it's okay. It's fine. At at this point, like back in the day, like when we first started, I felt like everything had to be like scripted and perfect. And now I'm like, it's fine. It gives it character. Let's just roll with it. Exactly. um, Yay. Well, we're super, super excited to have you on. I'm super excited to have you on because I feel like, um, yeah, you guys, Alex and Jared, you guys missed each other um, from when you left, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I think Ross was out. Uh, as soon as I was out too. I think we like both left at similar times. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's been fun because I remember meeting Jared through a mutual friend on like one of his first weeks here in Vegas and um, was just like, oh, cool. You're super nice. And oh, you work for Cirque. I work for Cirque, whatever. And then he was like, you're going to love this, Alex. He was like, well, I'm going to get an Uber back to Candlewood, aka Candlehood Suites, <laughs> which for for the, the muggle listening is the like... Now it's a Sinesta, ooh, but that a lot of the shows will put you up in 
and it's kind of like in a sketchy area of town like uh so you it's super what? close to the strip candlewood permanently smells like broccoli because you know like the, <laughs> the kitchen you're you're laughing because you know i'm right oh i know <laughs> exactly everyone, what you mean everyone has the like kitchenette in their uh-huh. room and everyone's like i'm trying not to eat eat out food because it's like so expensive to you know try to go get food at a big restaurant because it's near the strip so it's like i'll just cook my broccoli uh in my kitchenette i just felt like that that's my core memory my room just constantly smelled like egg whites because i would i was like shoot you guys are healthy i'd be like popcorn cheese help people like performers trying to eat healthy and lean but no, anyway, so he was like, I'm going to get an Uber. I was like, oh, no, I'll just drive you back. And so we like, uh, yeah, like I took him back. And um, it's just funny because like we're talking about like, oh, where are you from? And we, you know, have the mutual friends and all that. And then, um, yeah, come to find out that we're we're actually we see each other out all the time. We're good friends. We hang out a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm and, happy to have you on. And last story relating it back to me. And then I probably <laughs> pass it along to you. I was staying there when Uber was not in vegas at all oh that's gosh, how long sorry. ago it was horse and so carriage we had to like go down to the front desk and like call like cat cab for vegas rats i don't know whatever the whatever the cab companies were called uh-uh. it was so weird like and it, so to hear you be like yeah i'm taking an uber bag i'm like i did not have the option I the luxury thinking like a no, no sophistication like that yeah. before uh-huh. we get started i have to ask any relation to wiz khalifa because you've never heard that in your life you know, I hear that quite frequently and I need to come up with a better answer for it. I'm always <laughs> like, no, unfortunately not. Um, but I'm open to any suggestions and ideas. So um, I would make it up and just be like, um, yeah, he's totally actually, my third uncle. This guy came and saw me uh, perform and he told me he was such a fan and he really liked my last Ooh. name. And then that's actually, I am the reason he is that. <laughs> <man>. I, uh, <laughs> Okay, so it's not like he influenced my name, but no, I no, no, yeah, you, t- you, t- you take okay. the higher path there. Absolutely. Okay, I love that. Okay, well, <laughs> Mr. Khalifa, uh, let's take it from the top. Uh, where are you from, and how did you first get involved with performing or gymnastics or dance or anything? So I'm from Vancouver, Canada, not Washington. I always feel weird, like I have to reiterate that as well, because sometimes people, when I tell them I'm from Vancouver, they're like, oh, which one? I'm like, Canada. And then when I say Vancouver, Canada, they're like, we're not stupid. We know where Vancouver is. So uh, I never really know how to respond to that. But I'm from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I started off uh, on an unconventional route in the performance industry. So I started off in capoeira, martial arts. Wow. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's an African-Brazilian form of martial arts that combines uh, self-defense with some mixed martial arts disciplines, dance, acrobatics, and it's all done to music. Um, so that's really what was my first experience, which exposed me to, um, performing arts in general. And then from there, I, uh, diverged into both gymnastics and then at the time, musical theater and singing. And Capoeira really was my foundation for all of that, where I treated gymnastics as my, uh, acrobatic supplement to help with martial arts and then musical theater and singing to help with the music components to it. So, and then from there, we crossed paths into dance later in life and then acting and eventually just fused them all at any opportunity that I could. This is amazing. And the first question I had for you when we were talking about having you on is, you know, how did you become such a performer? Because I think in my, you know, brain, I'm thinking, oh, someone who's doing gymnastics, you know, their entire training, and then they go work for Cirque. And then it's this whole other layer of like, wait, I just only do a uh, back handspring and tumbling. Like, how am I supposed to tell a story with my face? And it's, I talked to other acrobats too, and they're like, it's definitely a struggle of like, it's not Mm -hmm. just me doing my, uh, my uh, expertise in, in this, acrobatic movement I also have to tell a story so for you you already had you already got that practice of having stage presence and storytelling so you answered my question because it's <laughs> I know that's got to be so hard you know you perfect your training and then you're like okay now you also have to like smile and wink and like be funny and comical exactly. while you do it and it's that's a lot 
Yeah, it's a huge challenge, I think, for so many people that come from an elite sports background into Cirque later in life, too, just because they have to add all those layers of uh, performance quality and character development and stage presence into their craft. Um, So I was really lucky to start exploring that earlier in life. And I think that's why now, too, as a teacher, I love working with um, acrobats who have no artistic background because I love being able to um, introduce them to the world of uh, performance arts and how to just enhance their craft even more that way and vice versa working with performance artists who um, want to improve on their acrobatic skills and abilities and how to incorporate that into their craft. Yeah. And the best circus performers have both of those things going. And I think that's Mm. where that human quality comes in of audience members really feeling something. Cause most of the time it's like, I can't do that. I can't, you know, be hung Mm. by my ponytail, but I felt that similar feeling, which is amazing. Um, I want to talk about competition stuff. Was that hard balancing all of that at the time? Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, as much as I love to believe that I like to say I found a balance, looking back on my competition career in tandem with my performance art career, I don't think there ever really was a balance. I think um, we I, all agree on that point. Like looking back at 16 year old us, I'm like, how the hell did we do all of that? And that doesn't hold a candle or hold a flame, or whatever the saying is to kids nowadays. So I, I just imagine that this continues to exponentially uh, tell that story <laughs> to a greater extreme, but, but right. we made it. <laughs> we did <laughs> just, and um, yeah, I really think that it's not necessarily about balance, but more so understanding a give and take to what you have to do. Um, some weeks you might have to focus on um, training for a big competition coming up. Other weeks you might be prepping for an audition and other weeks you might be dropping everything because you are like, holy, I need to like catch up on schoolwork. So I ace this exam before my final. Um, And you just need to be able to understand what you need in the moment and what's going to serve you best there and also make you um, happy and feel satisfied with what you're doing. It's less of a balancing scale and more of a tug of war. (laughs) If mm-hmm. anyone no, couldn't have said it any listeners, better. Listeners can't see. I'm using my hands. Yeah, she's giving you some fierce and, choreo. And, and, yeah, yeah. Side to side. Put that in your next combo or else. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's so true. And I think it's tough because as, um, you know, I think a lot of performers, uh, or I love the term that you said, performance artists. I'm going to try to coin or use that phrase more. Um, performance artists at this caliber, like this part in the game, like, we're all, I shouldn't say all, we tend to be um, achievers, performers uh, in the sense of our career and climbing that corporate ladder that I put in air quotes because it doesn't exist, but um, doing good, uh, you know, not only in our performance in dance and gymnastics, but also those successful people tend to be good students and be good at, okay, well, if I want to win in this aspect of my life, I need to win in this aspect of my life. And I know for me, I I really struggled with uh, that last part, what you said, what's really making you happy, or am I just living for the achievement type of a thing? And it's something I feel like I I still, as an adult, I'm trying to find that balance, both Alex Yonk choreo uh, uh, scale and tug of war. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm glad now that I guess I'm not alone in looking back and feeling like, wow, how did we do that? And I feel like it's a constant, um, a constant level of balance that you're trying to achieve into your adult life as well. Mm -hmm. Because even though it's, you know, we don't have necessarily the schools and the exams and the this, that, and the other that we had as kids to provide us with that validation, which then means we lean extra into work. And sometimes as we know that can consume you and then you don't have that balance and you're off kilter. And so, um, I don't know, I really took this on a tangent here, but, um, (laughs) I think it's, it's, it's really fascinating to going back to the original question hear how people that have made it this far in this highly competitive industry, look back and got their start and formed their habits. Um, exactly. And with balance too, something I always encourage people whenever they ask me this question as well is to find ways to uh, fuse what they're doing all into one Mm -hmm. big uh, mess of whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think growing up 
as a gymnast who hated the roboticness of gymnastics and loved the creative freedom in performance arts. I always used to take skills, which we literally called like garbage skills in gymnastics, wow. where um, people looked at me and they're like, why would you ever compete that? That is so stupid. I'm like, because it looks cool and it makes me uh, feel good about myself and I have fun doing it. And then I add in my own artistic flair into all those things. And same thing in the theatrical spaces where people would maybe look down on the token tumbler, the token backflip and be like, oh, pff, they're just here because they're the tumbler and be like, no, I can tumble into doing this turn section across the floor and Work. into then belting whatever ballad right after that. And I think the more opportunities you have to uh, combined all your skills in different settings, mm. the less you think about it being a balance and more just a fusion of all your passions. Totally. Totally. I love that. <clears throat> so I want to know then, um, what, at what point in your career, well, first of all, correct me. It wasn't the Canadian national gymnastics team. What, who did you compete with internationally? So it was the, is a, a segment of the Canadian national gymnastics team. So it's the Canadian tumbling and trampoline team. Okay. So I was just like kind of wrong, not fully wrong. Great. Okay. No, that's, that's still fine though. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, I want to know um, at what point in this big umbrella of your performance artistry, did you know that you wanted to make this professional and which aspect, which discipline pulled you first? You know, honestly, it was only in the middle of the pandemic where I really realized like, Oh, yeah, this can actually be a long-term thing for me. Um, I always grew up believing that um, my work in the industry could be paired with work somewhere else. And I think that's more so just to do with my upbringing and my education um, and my overall values in general, where I, I loved my work in the performance arts industry. Um, but I also loved plenty of other things too that I could have seen myself doing. And it was while we were in the middle of the pandemic and we all lost our jobs in the entertainment world and we're thinking like, what now? And then I feel so fortunate to have been able to continue working in the pandemic, which I did not see happening when it first hit. There was a few months where I was twiddling my thumbs like many of us um, and I wondered, okay, what's next? And then uh, in Vancouver, thankfully, the film and TV industry right as they got the okay to start shooting again, uh, work had never been busier. And then it made me realize like, oh, wow, if everything in the world is <laughs> proving to be a challenge right now and my hard work is still paying off and is mm -hmm. still showing that I'm able to succeed in this industry under these different circumstances, then maybe this is for me and maybe I can make this work. Um, and I'm, I'm shocked in myself. I, I think it took that long <laughs> for me to realize that. Um, but it was a really eye-opening moment. No, I think that speaks so much to you. And also it's just tough when you're growing up and you're like yourself, naturally really good at something. And sometimes you don't really know anything else. So you're just like doing mm -hmm. what you're good at. And, mm -hmm. and, and you're making money at it and you're great at it. And it does take something like a pandemic to be like, wait, no, I love this. Like I, yep. I can keep going with this. And obviously with all these circumstances that are making it difficult, I'm still thriving. So that must mm -hmm. mean something. So I think that's totally fine. And yeah. I think it's, it shows you being present. I think sometimes we try to plan out our future so much so that it's just silly and, mm -hmm. and we don't really you know, know what we're doing, but so we're just doing what we're good at. But I think everyone should lean into that. I think Mel Robbins, who I'm obsessed with Mel Robbins, she is mm -hmm. always talking about how like lean into the stuff you're good at. Like if you're good at something, don't try to shut that down. Like, yes, we want to learn new skills, but like lean into where you're, and you're someone who is good you're at so mul many. multiple things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, <laughs> you're leading yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's amazing. Thank you. I, I yeah. want to ask you what, one of your first like professional jobs was work so was. <laughs> my first professional job i was i think nine or ten years old it was beauty and the beast at uh the napkin number five Theater. village people number seven Alex I, was, I was in beauty <laughs> and the beast as well it wasn't a job though it was just tri tri tricycle theater <laughs> so, what who were you 
Napkin, napkin number, number five, five. <laughs> village person number seven. <laughs> and literally, like, can can dances. I, I was like, I was 14 or 15. Oh, yeah, right. I but your leg was like behind your head. Though. 180. <laughs> oh, she was cool. the one, she was the one in the theater that they were like, oh, well, she's the token good dancer. Let's bring her in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, but that production just holds such a dear place in my heart. I, I was chip the baby teacup oh um, that's so sweet so um yeah it was my first ever professional show uh i'd only been doing um like really getting into theater about a year prior to that um and i started off in a musical theater summer camp back home run by a wonderful man by the name of perry ehrlich who i owe so much to and him along with the musical director wendy bross stewart uh, both really paved the path for me um, into that role. And then I think into my uh, performing arts career after that. Um, and it was such a blast. I honestly didn't know anything else besides the fact that I loved being on stage and I loved doing what I was doing. I had no idea what scale or what level of um, theater I was involved in at the time. I just knew that I was having a good time doing it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I. I am always envious of of people who have that opportunity to do something like that so young because when you're sunk into it right away, it just really I think there's a lot of really successful uh, performers who their first show was when they were nine. And so they're just in that mm -hmm. environment. And it, even if you're not aware of how amazing it is, like that obviously set you up for success for the rest of your life. That's awesome. Exactly. That's beautiful. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit more about your extensive film and television uh, resume because, you know, I know we talked about Schmigadoon, but um, you've done a bunch of other stuff, uh, including, I was going through your bio, we're Cinderella Story Sisters. No! So I, I danced in Cinderella Story once <laughs> on a song, whatever. I always tell people, they're like, oh, the one with Hilary Duff? And I'm like, no, the next one. They're like, Selena Gomez? I'm like, no, the next one. Who is with <laughs> Hale, who's actually incredibly talented and delightful but i feel like our generation burnt out after kind of the selena one but yeah. um yeah i was reading through it i was like no way me too but um how did you get really involved being a successful booked commercial performer um in canada i'm curious how it relates to in the states typically it's either you have to be in a big hub like la atlanta chicago etc how how was that journey for you so thankfully Vancouver is a huge film and TV hub in Canada. And uh, there's a lot of crossover between Vancouver and LA, just giving that we're both uh, West Coast and you can literally fly from Vancouver to LA direct in like two hours. So producers from different networks will be back and forth in the same day. Uh, so it's really, really convenient to shoot in Vancouver. Um, and it was a great place to be to start my career in film and TV. and. I really didn't see myself going into film and TV until it actually started to happen. Uh, there was an audition for, it was Descendants 3, the Disney movie. Yes. And there was an open casting call happening for that um, after my, I want to say it was my first CERT contract that I did. And then I was just taking a drop-in class at a local studio back home. And someone had asked me like, oh, are you going to the audition tomorrow? I was like, what audition? Uh, and they told me the about audition. It. Like, that's like straight out of <laughs> that's like straight out of a Disney movie. Like, so are you going? You're going to the it, audition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was one of those moments. And then um, I had never been to a film or TV audition before, so I asked one of my best friends to come with me, who is also a dancer. I'm like, I'm not sure what we're doing here. We'll both learn together. Let's just go and see what happens. Um, and then I made it to the final round of that audition and uh, unfortunately got cut at the time after the final round, I was waiting for that call and I was sitting there and after about two weeks when I didn't hear back from production, I'm like, I think they started rehearsals already. I don't think I booked it. Um, and then um, when the third movie came, uh, when the third movie was uh, casting for their production, um, at the time I had signed with a, a new representation back in Canada and then I had an opportunity to audition again and then book that one. And that was my first film and TV gig. Um, and from there, it kind of just continued on, like, on a cycle at that point. And I was really lucky to be mentored by some 
great dancers and choreographers um, and just network with some amazing people that um, really helped guide me into finding my uh, voice and finding my um, place in the film world. Gosh, that is so, amazing. I have to ask then, as somebody with an extensive live performance resume as well as film and television, which do you prefer and which which like lights up your performer heart more? Yeah. Oh, that is so hard to answer because they do uh, completely different things for me. Mm -hmm. I love the puzzle that film and TV is. I love being able to piece things together and uh, I love problem solving and thinking on the fly. Um, I feel like I work well in high stress environments, which comes from my competition background, definitely. Um, and yeah, I really love the versatility that film and TV provides as a career, where one week you might be a cheerleader on a TV show, the mm -hmm. next week you might be playing a bone cracking exorcist and um, going back and forth between all these different characters um, was really exciting for me. And then not only just being on camera, but finding opportunities off camera. Like for, um, I had the opportunity to work with a friend on um, the creation of an episode for the magicians where we were doing, um, we were creating the musical episode and different spells and casts that the actors had to do uh, in the scene. And that was really cool. That was one of my first experiences uh, working in a creative side of the industry versus a performance side. Um, I, don't know, I had an opportunity to, to dance double for uh, completely different height differences, but for a Cheyenne Jackson in uh, Julie and the Phantoms on Netflix, and then um, getting to learn the choreography for different characters and then uh, how to make it work for them and then also how to make it work for me and then learning the choreography for the ensemble and uh, having to step in and out of different roles mm. and just learning how to be on my A-game and switch between different positions and characters um, was really exciting to me. But then on the flip side of it, as you both know, when people say like there is no other adrenaline rush like being on stage, mm -hmm. there truly isn't. It is a one of a kind feeling. And I can't compare anything else to it. Um, so I, uh, I wish I could tough. answer that. No. We love puzzles and we love yeah. the, the, the joy, like, like adrenaline. That's a great word to say of yeah. live performance. Go ahead, Al. Sorry. No. Yeah. And, and it's tough. I feel like with film and TV, that short-term stuff, it's like the memories of the, of the working process. It's like the process mm -hmm. that really makes you so happy. And like the long hours and getting to know everyone is what makes the experience feel so fulfilling. And then, yeah, flip side of, of um, live performance. I find the process frustrating. Yeah. Right. Sometimes <laughs> depends, oh, yeah. depends on the gig, but then the, the actual sweat, and and execution of everything that feels so good too so it they both have qualities that are amazing and i think we're so lucky that we get to experience both and i think that's what's important we don't have to put ourselves in a box of being like it's only this one for me totally um we do love the kickback of film and television obviously like those residuals cute great you work for i mean however long but then it's the gift that keeps on giving i will say though film terrifies me because film is forever and you get one take and you never know which take they're gonna use and you could be mm -hmm. the one that is slightly off yeah whereas yeah. 10 shows a week however many shows whatever the you you have the opportunity to oh, i didn't nail that one well guess what you got nine more so right. the the stress of perfection is taken off in the reality of a long-term run um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we, <laughs> we, our Venn diagram here is evenly, uh, blown up on both sides for which we prefer. <laughs> and that's such um, a good point that you bring up because, uh, oftentimes people ask me too, uh, where should I let my career, uh, go first, uh, film oh, yeah. or theater mm. and what's a better route to take? Like does one lead into another? And I <sighs> strongly believe that um, like live performance is such a great foundation for 
all areas of mm -hmm. entertainment in general. Um, because you get those 10 shows a week where you can work out all the kinks and uh, play and try different things uh, and master your craft in different settings. Mm, and then point. when you bring it to camera, uh, you know more or less like what looks good on you, what works, how to work in different situations so that you can hopefully avoid those um, <laughs> mishaps that we've all had on camera before. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you also brought up a point when you're talking about competition, being in a high stress environment, you're used to, so your competition background helps you. And I just wanted to reiterate that for, for everybody listening. I think dance is, dance specifically has become so mainstream now. So competition isn't really like how it used to be. People sort of look down on competition dancers. It was a little mm -hmm. bit like, Oh, well, like you're not really artistic. Like you're not here for the craft, but I just have always found that to be so wrong because I find I can snap back from things a lot easier and like quicker. And mm -hmm. just because I'm used to that high stress environment. And yes, it sometimes isn't always the healthiest, but it really helps you later in life. It's sort of mm -hmm. like, it's, it's good training that I think it's, people used to frown upon. I'm like, no, it's, it's good. It's okay. It's the realization exactly. that one's not better than the other. Like exactly, quick aside, yeah. Al, I remember being in college and it's like the, it, like there was a little bit of, it was like West side story, like uh, in the gym of like, Oh, well you're a competition kid. Oh, well you're a con like conservatory. Yeah. But like, I remember it's just learning each other's thing. Cause I'd be like, Oh, okay. Like there is so much more to movement than like this two dimensional, like, wow, boom sure. trick. Yay. But then I also remember other side of the coin when it would be in jazz class and be like, okay, now two, eight counts improv, do whatever you want. And it would be like, you know, okay, exactly we're used to this yeah. and they're uh -huh. not. So I, I fully agree really zooming out on this entire conversation of uh, what's the best place to start your career. What's the best discipline to start your career. Um, it really, it really, I think comes down and boils down to you and your work ethic and uh, finding what's best for you. You know, going back to what we said, Alex, with our interview with Mary of like, leaning into what you're good at. If you're naturally good at dance, go with dance, you know, yes. go that route. Exactly. Or if it's capoeira or if it's gymnastics, like it was for you, Jared. So um, that's just my way of saying we're all right. And we're all perfect. That's all. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Jared, I want to know uh, what is your dream job? What is like the big thing on the list that you haven't checked off yet that you're like, it's going to happen. So like there are, there are a couple of things that are on my bucket list, I guess you could call it. Like I still would love to do Broadway. I would love to uh, act in a show that I can do my own stunts as well. Um, but more than anything else, um, I feel like I want to take on more roles that, um, yeah, that invoke a feeling in my audience that can make them think a little bit more about something different that impact people in a greater way than just um, applauding at the end of a performance. Mm. Uh, for me, something that has been really, really vital in my uh, journey throughout my career so far is um, embracing and discovering my queerness and how that relates to um, yeah, myself as an artist and where I see my career going to. Um, and especially for so many other queer artists out there that have um, started their careers at whichever point in life uh, and maybe been told um, that you have to either act a certain way or neutralize yourself in other ways. Um, and you have to like cater your social media to certain mm. audiences too. Mm. Um, I want to be um, a voice and a vessel for other artists uh, that they can look at me and say, I appreciate what he's doing because he is authentically himself and he makes me feel good about myself too. Um, and that is probably the dream job is any situation that I can put myself in that allows me to do that for others. That was incredibly put. And I love what you said about people telling you to neutralize yourself. I could like, could not mm -hmm. have put that any better myself. And I think that really speaks true to everyone always says, be yourself, be yourself. And, that's some, sometimes a really mm -hmm. elusive thing to hold on to, but it takes years to embrace that. And the more you do, the opportunities won't pass you up that are meaningful to you. And that if you, if someone wants you to neutralize yourself, then you just say, Oh no, then that's not for me. If you want me to change right. anything and make me more 
I'm using air quotes, digestible to whoever your audience is, like that's not me and that's not, you know, what you're trying to share. And so I love what you said about that. And yeah, that was yeah. I love, yeah, the, the, the big picture isn't the job, it's the <clears throat> advocacy and it's the uh, diplomacy of finding that balance of respectfully being proud um, and putting people more. Luckily, we're in this community and time and age now where there is so much more inclusion and people are aware and having these conversations. So I know that you, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be um, such a great leader in spearheading those things. And I think they'll definitely definitely be happening, but I do want to, um, to kind of piggyback on that. I know that you've had a lot of involvement, um, in Canada with the dance scene about, you know, speaking up, representing other people. Can you kind of uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it has been a very recent, uh, addition to my journey back home and my career out there. Um, but this past July we had, or July, August time, roughly, uh, the UBCP ACTRA, uh, which is the Canadian Film and TV Union, specifically on the West Coast, uh, catered to British Columbia, uh, they decided to start the first dance and choreography committee. And the Amazing. objective of the committee was to um, essentially uh, promote and uh, bring awareness to the importance of dancers and choreographers in film and TV. And I think we've been around for such a long time and they have impacted productions in enormous ways. Um, but only recently are we really getting the uh, respect and the recognition that we truly deserve. So it was such an incredibly um, great opportunity to be elected onto that committee this past summer with so many other amazing dancers and choreographers that I've looked up to for years. Um, one of them also being a former Cirque artist, Louise Radsky, who was the Green Lizard in Mystere uh, years ago too, who is now really spearheading that um, a committee and has taken charge and been such an incredible leader for us in the uh, Canadian uh, dance industry and film and TV. So we are still in the baby stages of the committee and um, it is just such an honor to be able to meet with all these people and discuss different objectives and goals and where we see the industry moving, uh, what we would like to see from productions, um, what we hope to gain from them and what we hope to gain for our fellow artists in the industry. Congratulations well, mm -hmm. for being elected onto that. That's incredible. And I, Taylor and I cannot stress it enough. We talk about this all the time and it is something that I'm so glad it's happening now because it should have been here 30 mm -hmm. years ago. But everyone's just constantly, you know, fighting for for their rights. And, you know, I, I had uh, I'm dealing with something right now where um, I got asked for like I have this choreography job and they want me to like provide the dancers. And I'm like, oh, I can only provide the dancers if you pay dancer alliance rights. I sent them all the time. Mm -hmm. Cool. I got that. Great. And it's awesome. I'm so glad dancers, we have something to sort of look at as like a industry standard. But if you were to type into Google, what's the choreography standard rate? Like, even if you do it for SAG, even if I, I try mm -hmm. to do it for other things, it is so hard to find. I know in LA right now, they're coming, um, they're starting uh guild as well and getting their yeah. baby steps of that's going to be huge, but it's definitely not accessible information for someone like me. Who's, you know, not a well-known choreographer, but it, you're in those beginning stages. So you're like, try people reach out to you. You're not going to say no, but like, you don't have really mm -hmm. a baseline. I'm only based that, off of other jobs I've had in the past, but those relationships were different. So it's like, it is. Uh -huh. And that's room for, for, I mean, exploitation might be a, a hard exactly. work, but it's sad because you're like, I just want to know and do my due diligence to protect and give myself what I deserve. But then if you, if that's hard to find, then of course, yeah. business is business. They're going to be like, cool, you go for a lower rate, you know? So yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> I think it's, it's huge what you're both doing, um, that like being a part of it or being, um, being a voice and helping streamline that process, I think is so, so, so important. And people coming together and people finding our strength in community in numbers as a dance and performance community is so, so important. So huge congrats you. to you, Jared, on being a part of that. And um, thank you. I, yeah, it, I, I couldn't have 
handpicked a better person that uh, obviously has so much experience in so many different genres um, and is so diplomatic and well-spoken. So yay, big congrats to you on that. Um, Thank you. That means a lot to me. Of course. Well, um, wrapping up here, um, though I could sit here and continue to talk for hours, um, I want to know how do we keep up with you? How do our listeners that have fallen in love with you for this past hour, what's the best way for them to know what, what's in the know with Jared Wiz Khalifa? So you can find me on uh, Instagram at uh, Jared <laughs> underscore Khalifa. Uh, no whiz included, everyone. No whiz. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get on that eventually. Maybe a second account will be made. Um, and then you can catch me in uh, Mystere as Redbird here in Las Vegas. And then um, some recent projects that you can catch me in, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which was recently released in theaters. Um, so you can catch me in that. And then this coming fall in a, I wish I could share it with you, but a very um, enjoyable uh, production that I got the opportunity to work on uh, just before I moved out to Vegas uh, this past fall. That should be coming out shortly as a Halloween special. We love secrets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's huge. Well, congrats, Jared. Um, I'm so grateful that though we've only known each other a short amount of time, that our paths have crossed because you are such a wonderful person, a wonderful friend, a talented person. and I, I'm just so glad that we could get you on today to share some of that ray of sunshine that you bring to every situation with our listeners. So um, thank you again. Uh, any parting words that you have for our audience members, our folks tuning in? Um, if you're moving to Vegas, invest in a good fan um, and some great AC because uh, as a newly um, Vegas resident, I'm slowly beginning to learn how hot it is out here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to run and you have to run the AC. It's not like other yeah. people. Oh, like, yeah. It's not a luxury. It. It's Speaking like, of which, it just turned on. So if you hear the buzzing, that is definitely the AC blessing. <laughs> Beautiful. Stay well, thank cool you so with much. <laughs> Yeah. And thank, thank you so you much for, for joining me. us today. Like you were just what we needed and I feel inspired to go about the rest of my day. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jared. Have a good one.